Well, good morning, everybody. I'd just like us to pray before we start. Father, thank you that you are here. Your presence is already here with us. You have been welcomed into this place. And I just thank you that we could ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, I've been asked to speak by uh, James on how God leads and guides us with stories. Okay, so that's my great pleasure. I'd love to do that. And I think it follows on from everything that's been happening this morning. The Bible is full of promises and declarations that God does guide and lead us. Psalm 23, everybody's favorite, I think. He leads me beside still waters. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Isaiah 30, verse 21, when you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And Jesus said many things, mainly about Holy Spirit guiding us. The coming of the Holy Spirit, he said, was going to be the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So those are just a few of the many, many verses uh, in Old and New Testament about how God guides us and leads us. I think when we begin to walk with God, at first we're, we're very Maybe we, we're a little bit anxious thinking, how can, I, how can I please God? What can I do? And actually, the same man, Brian Bullen, had a very helpful reminder, which is, which is actually Jesus' reminder, that all the commands and the laws can actually be summed up in two. What are they? Exactly. Love God and love other people. Actually, every single command, whether it's about stealing or adultery, whether, whatever it's about, is actually summed up by those two. Love God and love one another. So that's the first benchmark, if you like, that establishes the way that we walk. Is it in love? Is it expressing love to God? Is it expressing love to other people? The word of God has been described as a, as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And for more detailed instructions, it's a great book. I recommend it if you haven't already got it's so good, and I'm loving it more and more. I've got more time now to read it, I think, and that's bonus for being 76. <laughs> there, are, there are many bonuses. I tell you, it's great. I never thought it would be. I used to dread turning 30. I thought life ended at 29. But believe, I'm so glad to tell you it's not true. I, in fact, I remember thinking that life ended at 19, and 20 was going to be awfully too old. So, you know, it, it gets better. My mother did tell me that, but you have to experience it to know it's true. It does get better all the time. And, of course, we're waiting for the best of all, which is life to come. Woohoo! But in the meantime, we're getting ready, and we don't want to go there empty-handed. We don't want to go there alone. And um, Holy Spirit has strategies to help us. You know, he says, Jesus said, Wait for Holy Spirit to come. He's going to be the one who will guide you. He will fill you. He will empower you. Don't try and do it in your own strength. That's just going to be so stressful, so exhausting, and so useless because nobody can lead anybody into the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit does that. But he loves to work with us 
Don't ask me why, I don't know. Maybe in heaven we'll find out. He'd do a much better job, I feel, if he just did it. But for some reason, he chooses to use all of us. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because I think that is more important than being guided about which bus we get on, which car we buy, which dress we wear. Believe me, I know he does all those things. He really does. He guides us in all those areas. I'm not saying that he doesn't care about the small things. I actually do quite often get out, look at my wardrobe and think, oh God, what do I wear today? And he's, he points to it. I mean, I tell you, he does. He's very kind. He's very merciful. And when I lose stuff, I say, oh God, help me. I'm a silly old woman. I've forgotten where my keys are. Please help me. And you would not believe without exception he shows me. He has never let me down. He is a wonderful father to me. So yes, he does care about small things. He's the God of the microcosm as well as God of the, the nano, if you like, way smaller than the atom. But he's also the God of the entire universe. And for some reason, he delights to lead us and to guide us. Now, I'll just recap a little bit of history. I think this goes back. I didn't date it, but I think roughly five years when we had a week of prayer at the church. And it was an amazing time, and a number of us came pretty well every night. We got really hooked on it. And I remember that Graham had a vision of the whole of Wellington as being like a place where fishing nets are being spread out. And that really captured our attention. And so after that, the same group who'd been meeting in prayer became our home home group. We'd never had a home group up till then, but we became a home group. And I guess that was the starting vision, though I'd forgotten about that vision until the Lord reminded me this morning. And um, we began doing things like healing on the streets and uh, short-term mission to places like India together. And what else did we do? Um, Some people are still doing the Sam and Nancy, going out to the highways and byways uh, with with sandwiches and things and speaking to people on the roadside uh, about the Lord Jesus. All those sorts of things were going on. Um, And they've all been, I believe, directed by God but then at the end of last year James said 2020 is going to be the year of evangelism and I thought oh yeah 2020 year evangelism I envisaged we were going to get all these evangelists coming and we'll you know fill stadiums and we'll do all the things that we're familiar with from past but God had a totally different strategy and I've been fascinated here that all around the world the same strategy that we are getting they're talking about everywhere that this strategy is one of the very, very humblest thing. If just one person talking to one person, talking to one person, talking to one person. Just not a huge, you know, I used to think, oh, yeah, we're going to fill the arena. But this is a different strategy. And, and uh, I didn't know how we were to begin to, to do this. And then um, Suzanne said, oh, I heard this guy, Brian Bullen, at uh, uh, Ramati Beach, and I think he's, he's got a, something that will really help us. I thought, well, I actually need helping because I think we've got so far, but I feel like my equipment is rusty, it's out of date. I don't quite know where to head with all of this stuff. And basically, Brian's strategy was you find out the people who you know by name who don't know Jesus, start praying and keep praying, keep praying. And then God's going to highlight one of them, and he does. And then you start talking to that one person. He gave some tips as to how to do it. But mainly, don't waste too much time talking about the weather. Don't waste all the things that I tend to get sidetracked onto. No, you talk about 
Jesus. Okay, talk about Jesus. And I realized when I thought about it, I got quite weak at that. Quite weak at actually talking about Jesus with unbelievers. Even talking about Jesus with believers. Believe it, believe it or not. Isn't that horrible? But I have to confess that's true. It's one thing to sing songs about Jesus here, but he needs to be out of the walls of this place because we are nearly all of our lives outside the walls of CV unless we are James or Miranda or Andrea or Zoe maybe. Yeah. So there you go. And um, just this week, I'll tell, no, I want to tell you just a few things that have happened this year. I'll go back a bit. Uh, the Lord highlighted one person, and it was very natural and easy to talk to that one person because we were taking that person for walks every day. We were going walking because of quarantine. And I, I heard Holy Spirit. I don't know how you hear him, but for me, it's not an audible voice. It's just a thought in my head. And I know that it's not my thought because I don't even feel comfortable with it always. And the voice said to me, you're to talk to this person about your faith. I thought, oh, this is going to be difficult. So we walked for a long, long way. And then I remember reaching a point just near Arrow Street. And I felt the Lord saying, you're going to start this conversation before you get to the end of this corner. Right. So as we walked along, I suddenly thought, I sort of croaked out something pathetic like, has anybody um, in New Zealand ever talked to you about uh, the Christian faith or anything about it? No. Has anybody, do you have some understanding of what, um, you know, what, what the Christian faith is? No. Um, has anybody ever talked to you about Jesus? No. Uh, has anybody, uh, have you got any idea what the cross is? You know that thing that people have on churches? Oh, yes, I've seen that on churches. Do you know what it means? No. I was appalled. This person had been in New Zealand for at least three years and no one had, he didn't have the faintest notion about anything to do with the Christian faith. So it was my great pleasure at that point to begin to talk. And it actually was a wonderful privilege. I thought, wow. And so God gave me things to say that I'd never thought of before. And when I stopped for breath, I said, so um, what do you think about this? And he said, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Wow. There was such an open heart. Now, the God was merciful to me because it could have been somebody said, well, and said something very rude. So he was very merciful to me that the first person I spoke to was a person with an open heart. But, you know, I think we can believe that if we pray first, trust Holy Spirit, that he will lead us to those ones who do have open hearts, who are ready, like Suzanne was saying, the woman with a prepared heart. And so that's, that's just one little example of this kind of thing. And so we, we, we'd begun to have a home group that was a little different. It was focused more on people from other faiths who began to come. And we have them from, um, you know, totally secular, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, didn't matter, coming along to home group and we'd ask what we could pray for. And they saw such miraculous answers to prayer, such amazing things that they knew that there was a power that they knew nothing of. And one rather sweet story, one of them had prayed for something and then asked, sorry, asked me to pray for something. And he said, I can't come, but would you please pray? And then lady said, I've been thinking about that. And I think maybe it's a bit unfair because there are a lot of other people who are also asking for that job. And I'm at an unfair advantage. 
was so special. So I said, you know, I think you have to understand that the God of the universe loves everybody. And if this job is really meant for somebody else, that person will get the job. If this job is really for you, you will get the job. We can be at peace about that. We can trust him. He is totally wise, totally loving, totally just. It's okay. Well, he didn't get the job, but he does know that he can still come for prayer. And he's seen other prayers answered since then very beautifully. So there's an example of the power of prayer. But we, as I said, we began to feel, no, this is the year of evangelism. We do want them to know that God answers prayer, but we need to do more than just that. And so as we're reading the Bible, we're reading stories that are Jesus stories. This last week, it was the, uh, this week was the story of um, Ananias being given the Holy Spirit vision, the nudge to talk to the most feared person he could possibly have even imagined, and that was Saul, who was the most murderous, hate-filled man, angry little man who loathed Christians. And he was thinking, how can I go to him? But the Lord was very specific, go to this particular street in Damascus, named the street, this particular house, named the house, and in that house you will find that the man that you're afraid of is actually praying. Oh, but, and this is what we often do, we feel we have to tell God everything that he might not know, might have forgotten. So, but God, this is the man who's here to, to kill Christians. How can I go to his house? And the Lord said, you go, because I've chosen him. He's my chosen vessel. And how glad we all are, I'm sure, that Ananias was obedient. I mean, we don't know quite how history would have unraveled, Something would have happened. Somebody somewhere would have helped him. But how beautiful that Ananias was obedient. And he has the privilege of being the one who led arguably the greatest evangelist, missionary, theologian of all time to the Lord. And all those wonderful things, I think, are going to be credited to Ananias' account as well for his great obedience. Isn't that awesome? So... Then the next story is a fascinating one. There was this massive revival in Samaria. You know, sometimes when God's doing great things, it's really hard to leave. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Something really good's going on. You think, I want to be part of this. But then the Lord said to um, Philip, I want you to go to the desert road. At that point, you have to think, can this be God speaking to me? There's such amazing things going on. People are being led to the Lord. Why do I have to go to the desert? But he was told specifically, the road, it's also called the King's Highway. It's a road that connects, uh, connected the whole ancient world, Middle East, down to Africa. And on this road, he met he, he, this, this chariot with an Ethiopian in it. And very specific instructions again. See that chariot? Now you run alongside that chariot. I think he must have had to run quite fast because chariots are not slow. And he would have had to run to keep up with him. But as he looked in, he saw that this Ethiopian man was reading a scroll. And because of the way that uh, those languages work, it actually is much easier to read them aloud because they don't put the vowels in. And so you've sort of got to read aloud to get the feel of it. So he was reading aloud from the scroll and obviously so puzzled by what he was reading. It's a chapter that we all love, one of our favorites, I think, Isaiah 53, all about Jesus. I mean, isn't God amazing? He puts here this God-fearing man with a hungry and open heart reading something he doesn't understand I'm also impressed by his, um, 
what shall I call it, his enthusiasm. He's not waiting to get to Africa before he opens the scroll. You know, it's like having a present you've got to open straight away. A scroll, by the way, was incredibly valuable. You could only afford a bit of it. He had the whole scroll of Isaiah, obviously very wealthy people, very wealthy. And he maybe was going back, maybe it was going to be a national treasure. But he couldn't resist opening it and reading it. He didn't want to wait and he just happens to be, happens by God's grace to be at Isaiah 53. The Lord who knows all things has Philip coming along at that very moment and is able to call out to him and say, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He hasn't a clue what he's reading. doesn't make any sense of it at all. And so he invites Philip up and Philip shares Jesus with him. And then the next miracle, they're in a desert and they drive along and there's some water there. Oh, says the eunuch. You talked about baptism. Well, there's water here. What's to stop me getting baptized right now? And he was baptized there and then. And then the spirit whisked Philip on to further ministry back in Samaria, I think it was. And meanwhile, this dear man went off to Africa. And just for interest's sake, I googled, and I think there are nearly 40 million Christians in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, and many are scattered around the world. And I've had the privilege of having some Ethiopians in my Bible class at Pacific Bible College Awesome men of God, awesome people. And so the work that began with an obedient man called Philip just nearly 2,000 years ago, that work's continuing to this very day. Disciples making disciples. Incredible. And think if he hadn't, think if he hadn't obeyed, would there have been anybody else on that desert road? Or would they have had to wait Decades, even centuries, for somebody to have come to Africa to talk to them. Who knows? But how wonderful, again, that Philip was obedient. Did what Holy Spirit asked him to do. So, you know, sometimes we think, oh, can this really be God speaking to me? Believe me, if it's to glorify Jesus, you can trust him with the outcome. We have some, some uh, little adventures still underway. Um, last week... I'd put out an invitation to some of our wider circle, both in Kiamai and those who recently left Kiamai, saying, you know, we have this home group, we'd love you to come along. And this uh, young Muslim man, who used to be at our home group and used to quite enjoy coming and saw wonderful answers to prayer, uh, he's now moved out. He's, his wife came from overseas, and wife and son are now they're all, all living together. And uh, he said, oh, I'd love to come back to your home group. And we had a, a little bit of check about that. For a start, his wife needs to hear the truth as well. We know his heart is very open, but they've got a little boy and he's got a wife who has never heard any of these things. So, um, so okay, I felt the Lord saying, no, you invite yourself to his place for a home group. So, okay, so text, text, text. Made this invitation to ourselves. And... Um, they said, yes, please do. And it was, it, was, it was amazing. There they were, sitting cross-legged together, gazing in and listening to everything. The wife is still trying to, to compute everything and sort of linking everything back to Islam. Not the husband. He's just drinking it in and drinking it in. And before we went, we weren't sure what, which of many stories to tell them because so many wonderful stories. And so Graham and I were praying about how we would know. So, that, okay. Lord, just, just clarify to us what the story is to be, the first story that we share. 
And it was that story of Philip. See, this man, uh, he's not from Ethiopia, he's not from Africa, he's from uh, South Asia, but um, he is also a financier. He's brilliant, brilliant with finance. He's got a marvellous job. And we were able to say, you know, this man was the head of the treasury in Ethiopia. You'll understand that. And, and then we actually opened up that same passage in Isaiah. Oh, this is prophecy. How long ago was it written? We said it was written 600 years before Jesus came. They were amazed. You know, it was, just, it was just such a privilege to share that and to share something. And then we shared about how it's no longer necessary for sheep, lambs, camels, goats, anything to be sacrificed. The one perfect sacrifice has already been made. Amazing. You know, just sharing these stories, you fall in love with Jesus all over again. Every time I share the stories, I feel like I'm learning. And the questions people ask make me think, oh, wow, they, they have an understanding that I've never grasped. This is new. This is revelation. So we're learning together. It's not like we're, you know, teaching. It's we're sharing in, in the feast of the truth of God and the truth of his gospel. And it's, it's an awesome privilege. I do believe the prophets, when they say there's going to be a great global outpouring, that there's going to be a mighty end-time harvest, I fully believe it. But I've now, I now no longer require that to be uh, lots of Billy Grahams. I really believe that even if every single Christian led one person to the Lord, we would have a global end-time harvest. Just one person. If everybody in CV just led one person to the Lord, and then that one person led that one person to the Lord, and that person led that one person, well, you do the maths. Some of you are good at maths, not me. But that's compound interest, is it? I think. So it, it's, it's tremendous potential, and it is such an adventure, because this is all Holy Spirit uh, strategy. It's Holy Spirit empowered. It's... Jesus, who's being glorified, has nothing to do with us. So if we make a fool of ourselves, it couldn't matter less. Because it's not about us. It's not about me. I've got to get out of the way. It's all about Jesus. And as long as he's being glorified, well, really, that's what it's about. And so I just encourage you to start thinking right now. And I hope you're going to want to be on board with this. Because I really believe that every single person here is called to this. I don't think this has anything to do with being called to be a missionary. I was hung up on that for a little while because uh, I'm a teacher and I believe my ministry is teaching. I love the word of God. I love nothing more than sharing and teaching that. But we are all called to share. It doesn't, and it doesn't mean that I'm labeled evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. I know I'm not. I'm a teacher. That's my calling. I'm a mother and a wife and a do- so on and so on, sister and various other things. But... We share. It's one beggar telling another beggar how to find bread. And this bread is so awesome. The bread of life, the heavenly bread, Jesus, who came for all of us. And so we want to go to heaven with as many people as possible. You know, it's, it's very nice to have a party and inviting a lot, lot of people. But this is going to be the most outrageous party, the most wonderful party in the whole universe. And the only thing I think that's required of us is that we get out of the way and we allow Jesus to get upstage and central and let him do what he does best, which is love on people. And if he likes and chooses to use us to share with anybody, believe me, that's an adventure. 
It's an exciting privilege. It's an ongoing story. Stories, we're not through the year yet, so it's going to keep on happening. And it will, I don't believe it's going to end in 2020. I think that 21, 22, 23 onwards, God has great things ahead. And lockdown and quarantine don't stop it because you've got YouTube, you have your cell phones. There's so many ways to connect with people. So just pray. Our Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just pray for every stumbling block that we put in the way, every pride, every fear, and every unbelief, those three in particular, that stops us from speaking your name, Lord Jesus, and sharing what you have done with us among our friends, our colleagues, our family members, people in our street, anyone you lead us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a tremendous love for Wellington. Thank you, Lord, that you could do everything alone, but you are well pleased to use us. And you say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I am with you. My presence is with you always. And because your presence is with us, And because you are the one who empowers us, we want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for this amazing privilege. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to glorify you. With words, yes. With songs, yes. With our lives, yes. In every way that you show us. And to you be all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty and beautiful name, we pray. Amen.